0: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray and get us started. We're we're glad you're here. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that it's true and just how we can learn so much from it. And we um, see today how Moses prepares his people. But Lord, you are the equipper. And we just thank you for that, Father. We see it throughout these verses and just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds that each of us would learn something new that we could apply to our lives so that we could be transformed to be more like you. Thank you for the word. Thank you for um, the women here today. And um, we just thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm really glad to be with y'all today. I was thinking about, as I looked at the chapter and trying to kind of divide up how it might work, um, I, I got this brainstorm idea um, that really it has a lot to do with gifts and totally from the Lord. But I, I went on to, to come up with the little, you know, uh, acronym, God's Instructions for the Israelites. And you kind of have to say Israelites because that, that fits the G-I-F-T-S. But it is. It's God's instructions for the Israelites regarding their gifts. And um, so, I kind of divided it up. The beginning of it, just the gift of the Sabbath. And we'll look at that and just see how it truly is a gift from the Lord. Um, we'll also go into the, um, so the, some verses about how God gives us gifts that we can then give back to Him. Um, how we can use our giftedness that he gives each of us a, the uh, spiritual gift when we accept Christ, and that we can use our gifts and talents and abilities to serve His kingdom. And then finally, we'll look at the greatest gift of all, and that is Jesus Christ. Which a perfect week how this worked out that we are here um, on Easter week to be able to um, to look at that. So um, before we begin to navigate these chapters today, I just want to kind of recap where we've been, and I um, look back and if you if you remember back in verse in chapters. Starting with Exodus 25 and all the way through 31, um, Moses, there's a list of all these same instructions, and it's interesting that it's um, it's back in in this in this chapter today. Um, but we see that, and then we have those un, those unfortunate chapters of the whole golden calf thing. Um, but now, and, and but it just kind of shows how the, people have a desire. Or to have a spiritual connection, to, to uh, be close with God and to dwell with Him. But they just kind of got it all wrong, and we saw that last week. But now we resume in chapter 35, and we, um, it's a lot of information about the tabernacle, but there's some great life lessons in here. And so, this report repeats almost previously those chapters that begin in, in 25 and all the list, and it's a lot of chapters on the tabernacle. One commentator that I read said that there's 50 chapters in the Bible just devoted to the tabernacle. 13 from Exodus, 18 from Leviticus, um, 13 from Numbers, some from Deuteronomy, and even Hebrews in the New Testament. So, a lot of time is given to the tabernacle, and and the point of the tabernacle is for God to dwell with His people. And we see that here today in these verses. And we see that today in a different way in us. Um, So, we see lots of times we'll see something in Scripture. If it's repeated a bunch of times, we know that it's important to God. And it also has a lot of like, shall we say, floor space. Um, there's a lot of, of, of uh, words about it, so we know that it must be important to God. Um the tabernacle itself is a structure, uh, also called tent or tent of meeting. Um, it will symbolize the presence of God with his people, how he will dwell with them and show that how a sinful people can come to him, live with him in the presence of a holy God. And so that was the point of the tabernacle back then. And we see that God does the same thing today, but in a different way. So let's look at the gift of the Sabbath. Those first three verses of chapter 35 um, And I I remember, do you remember as a child, or maybe you have children, how like your mom might make you take a nap? And don't you think now, like, I wish someone would make me take a nap? But this is kind of, I thought about this with the gift of the Sabbath, like the Lord is wanting them to have, um, to take that rest. And um, just the, the truth that I came up with for these chapters that the Lord gave to me was just that God values obedience and relationship. Over checklist and tasks, and we see that um, today as women, sometimes we we really get we have a lot of uh, self esteem to be able to check things off the list. Sometimes I write things down I've already done just to be able to check them off to feel that sense of accomplishment. I know it's it's a sickness. I know, but we don't want to be confused about the Sabbath. If we look back, the first time the the first time uh, that. That it talks about having a day of rest it was back in Genesis 2:2, but it wasn't the Sabbath. It, although God rested on the seventh day, it, t- it says that um, He blessed the seventh day and made it holy because He rested from the work He had been doing. But it was, it was a day to be holy and restful. But it really wasn't the Sabbath, and, and um, I, didn't, I didn't understand that when, even at the beginning of the study until we studied it the first time around. And I think it's really interesting. We're going to talk about that for just a minute. But there's no biblical record of the Sabbath until the children of Israel left Egypt. And because really that before that they didn't need it. Um, but when they were in bondage, they were working every single day without any rest at all. And so God gave them the Sabbath to be able to remember what God had done for them. There's nowhere in Scripture of any hint of Sabbath keeping until all the way from Adam, all the way to Moses. So now this is a new thing. And it starts out in the Ten Commandments when he gives that in um, Exodus 20, when he talks about the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy and not to do any work. That's the first time that um, the Sabbath is mentioned as the Sabbath itself. It's also found in chapter 31 that we looked at a few weeks ago, that they're to observe it for generations to come and to know that you, I am the Lord, your God, who makes you holy, um, that they are to observe it. And um, so, so it's mentioned again there. So the word of God makes it quite clear that the Sabbath observance was a special sign between God and Israel. And his intent for giving them the Sabbath was not that they would remember creation, like back in Genesis, but they would remember their Egyptian deliverance, deliverance from slavery. And so um, it was about not doing any work and, um, and keeping it holy and resting in him. Um, so, but, but I think it's interesting that before they even start, you know, Moses brings us back up, which is is interesting because, you know, human nature would be like, we got a task. Let's go for it. Let's, you know, set aside anything else and get the job done. It's all about the product. But we see here that God is also interested in the process and he's interested in our obedience to him. And so um, it was a holy day, a Sabbath day of rest. And so just reminding them of, of coming out of Egypt. And also it says, so that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And um, so I, we see here that basic obedience is a prerequisite for doing the work of God. He wants our heart, He doesn't just want our actions and He doesn't just want the product, He wants our heart. Um, the Sabbath serves the purpose um, to benefit. Us as we as we move along, and so it. Um, there's, therefore, there's very severe punishment. And we saw that it was mandatory, very mandatory, um, because they even before they even knew the job ahead, they were ordered to trust him to not lose sight of the project, not to be so focused on that end result um, that they were to work hard but to take that day of rest, to remember him, remember what he had done, to have a relationship with him, to to make it holy. And so we see here that God God's nature, he knows our nature is to get wrapped up in the details and that we tend to put tasks over people and that's not what he wants. He wants us to have a relationship with him before we do his work with him, before we're interested in any product. He values their obedience and their relationship and he's, he's concerned about the process. And so that's why we start out this chapter just um, going right into reminding us that we need to, the, it's not about getting it done by a certain date or, and, and he has very specific ways he wants it done, but he also wants our hearts. He wants us to do it that way. And so it's not about list, list making in God's, in God's sight. So I ask you, what about you? How does that work for you? Um, it's not about getting things done efficiently. What about you? Like that is, you know, if I can do three things at one time, like that's a, that's a winner. Um, but, but God is concerned about relationships and, um, and our obedience. So I would just say process over product. What about you? Are you more worried about the end product of getting things done or how you treat people along the way? I can remember sometimes I would run errands and I would just be like, I'm going to get this done by noon and everybody out of my way. And so I wasn't loving the sales clerk or the person in front of me at the red light or whatever because I was so worried about the task. And that is not the way that the Lord wants us to operate. So the so what of this little section is just that God values obedience and relationship over checklists and tasks. We move on to see that um, he's also the giver of gifts, and how we invest and spend our treasures, our physical treasures, reflects our heart. We see here from um, verse five: "From what you have, take an offering to the Lord." Everyone who is willing to bring to the uh, everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering. And so we see the what is from what you have. He's not asking you to give something you don't have. He's asking you to give what you do have. Um, I think of a Father's Day example because. I haven't brought in income in our family in a physical way in a long time, but um, my husband is the sole provider. And so, on Father's Day, when we give him gifts, like, guess who paid for him? You know, he did. And I think that's just like God, because, like, he's given us all these gifts, and then we're, like, so great that we give them back to him. It's like, no, this is his in the beginning. This is his in the first place. So, you know, when we give my husband gifts at Father's Day that he's already paid for, you know, it's nice, but we might as well be very generous. It's his... It's his money. So, you know, God is not, He is the giver of everything. And I think sometimes we take it, and especially if we keep it a little while, somehow we think it's ours, and that we get to figure out how, how we're going to spend our things and our money. But really, it's all His, and we lose sight of that sometimes. It's interesting to see that um, not everybody would bring the same items or the same amounts or even the same significance, but everyone was asked if they wanted to, if they were willing. Big or little, it didn't matter. They had the opportunity to share in the project. And... Um, and we and they needed that to fulfill the task. They needed. They didn't need only gold. They needed apparently sea cow hide also, um, and they needed um, threads and they needed all those other things. So it's just they did. They, they needed all of it to complete to complete the task. They needed silver and gold and goat hair and spices and all kinds of things. Many and varied items did they need. Um, And I I read somewhere it was estimated a ton of gold was used and over three tons of silver. So that is awesome because especially since we just read about the golden calf thing, um, they still had some apparently at their houses that wasn't on their ears. Um, but anyway, it's interesting just to see that, and the cool thing about it, they, they, they had been gifted with these things when they left Egypt, and that was also part of God's doing. He was the provider of these things that now he's asking for them to be generous and give back. So he had actually already given them the items. And we see the list from… Um, Exodus 25, and we see it again in 35 of the things they needed. Uh, We see them listed, and then we also see just like some of them are for the tabernacle, some are for the contents in the tabernacle, some are for the holy place, some are for the court, some are for the dress of those that will conduct the services. So um, Moses has assembled the list from God, and he's asking for the people to bring what they have, bring from what the Lord has already given them. Now, that's the what, the items. Now we go to the who, and they each get to choose if they will participate. I mean, God is making this optional. Whereas the Sabbath thing, that whole death thing, that's not optional. So now we're saying that this is optional. If you are willing, if your hearts are stirred, then you can participate from what I've already given you. So he chooses the what. He chose the list. He made he let Moses know what was needed and now the who, who is going to give. And um, we have to remember like, does, Lord, does God really need these items? I mean, he could have grown a gold tree if he wanted to. He could have, you know, he could have gotten those items a hundred different ways because he is able, but he asked them to participate. It is their privilege to get to participate in Kingdom Matters. And we know that our choices today reflect our heart and um, we, how we use our resources, our time, talents, and treasures reflect our heart. So I would just ask you today, Um, What's he asking you? What is he asking of you? Is he asking for your resources to be, and are you being obedient? Um, We see that the people gave from a generous and willing heart. He allowed them to participate in the kingdom and they would then have the blessing of of giving. And we have um, been able to be a part of that in our lives, um, including the building that we're in and the watermark that Lucina talked about, but also in some other giving in churches before we came here. And I remember standing out in the hall one time, they had this thing called stewardship enrichment, where we did do a pledge thing. And my husband and I had decided what we were going to give. And we were at church and we just really felt the Lord leading us to do something differently. We were in the hallway and we changed our, our giving pledge three times what we had put, originally put down. And God amazingly blessed um, that commitment because we were giving to the kingdom and he stirred our hearts. And, and it was early in our marriage and it taught us to give generously and to be part of kingdom matters because that's all that matters. And so I would just encourage you today, it's a blessing to think back, like I can't tell you what kind of car I would have driven 30 years ago, but I can tell you that I got to be a part of something big and something that God was doing. and um And I would just encourage you to do that today. The blessing will be something that you receive. And yeah, we might get a building out of it too, but the blessing will be from, um, from being obedient and allowing your heart to be stirred by him. We saw back then that there was um, no mention of negative consequences if they didn't give, whereas if they didn't obey the Sabbath, it said they would be put to death. But here, it's totally voluntary. It's just about whether their hearts are willing. Um, God doesn't need their stuff, and he really doesn't need ours. He is completely able to do it in other ways, but we get the blessing if we participate. Um, we also see that Moses, he didn't use any clever tactics. He didn't like have a contest like, oh, we're going to all the tribes, whoever brings the most. I mean, you know, that, that would probably be my tactic of some sort of competition. People love that. But he didn't, he didn't do that. It was just all who were willing. We see that anyone can contribute. In verses 6, 21, 22, 26, and 29, we see the terms, all who were willing. There was no compulsion. There was no tax or fee. They just each processed and brought what they were willing. And um, so that emphasis was on who was willing. We see that there's participation between men and women, which is cool. We haven't really seen a lot of um, women in this book, but we see back from Miriam, uh, Miriam's song, when she said to the Lord and also the midwives. But now we see very specifically that women had a task to do and they also um, brought gifts. Um, We see from, I can't, um, it's kind of cool because I'm also doing another Study kind of thing, and we were studying 2nd Corinthians during the exact week that I was preparing for this. And just the principles on giving are much the same that we would want to give as much as able, even beyond our ability. That's from 2nd Corinthians 8 3. All these are from 2nd Corinthians. It's a privilege to give from 8 4 and 2nd Corinthians. The completion of the act of grace that we have been extended that causes us to want to give from 8 6. That we are to excel in everything for the Lord, our speech, our knowledge, our earnestness, faith, and love from 8-7. Not grudgingly give, to not reluctantly or out of compassion, or out of compulsion, but yes, out of compassion, not out of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And we've, a lot of us have heard that verse um, from, from 2 Corinthians 9, 7, um, that we will be enriched in every way so that we can be generous. And it's an overflowing expression of thanks. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more here in a few minutes. But we see that the heart in giving is really important to God, the method um, and the heart behind it. We saw back… Uh, you may have studied Acts before or in the journey or whatever, but we see that, that the heart behind it is really important. There's a character in Acts 5 named Ananias, and he sells some land. He doesn't give it all, all the money, and he's zapped dead because the heart behind it, it wasn't the amount. It was the heart behind it, um, withholding. And so… Um, it's just interesting to see that, uh, that we see the appeal for items. We see that those who are willing will participate. And then we see what I really, really love is it says in Exodus 35:20, then the whole community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved brought an offering. So I just want to, I kind of focused in on the word withdraw. And another version, ESV and I think NASB say that they departed from the presence of Moses. And I just thought that was so interesting because my husband and I, along with the learning, the great gift of giving, we also had learned some hard lessons on not getting in a small room with a person who's trying to sell us a condo or, um, or a vacation package or a timeshare. And we did, we made some mistakes um, along those lines, we were, we went to this thing where they were trying to sell us this vacation package and we spent $5,000 because, but they wouldn't let us talk to each other. They wouldn't let us leave. And, and we, we were just suckers. And so that is such a good example of how Moses allows them to withdraw. You know, there's, there's no scare tactics. There's no pressure deals. There's no promises of, you know, this deal's going to end. He let them withdraw and search their own hearts. And, um, I look back at, um, Exodus 32 with the golden calf, right then and there when they're like, hey, we need a God, we need to build a God, that he's like, okay, take off your earrings. Like, there's, 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 there's no withdrawing, there's no thinking, there's no processing. Um, but it just made me think about, this is a no-pressure deal. God, Moses is completely allowing them to withdraw and search their hearts. And, um, and, we, and we can do the same. We can totally trust the Lord to provide. Um, and so, uh, we look at Scripture and we think about the word withdraw. Um, and I just thought, who does that remind you of? Jesus. It says in Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And I just thought with solitude or withdrawing, that's really for the purpose of seeking the Lord. And I love the verse, and you may know the beginning of it, be still and know that I am God. That's Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. And I think that's so important when we are still and we, and we stop and we think and we reflect on Him then, then, his pre, then who he is and his character becomes so apparent. And then our natural response is to want to, to be thankful and to, and to give him gratitude. But the rest of the verse goes on to say, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And I thought, that's perfect. He's, we're still we know that He's God. And what's our response? To exalt Him in everything. And how do we show that our, our, our uh, gratitude and thankfulness is to give back to Him? And so, I just thought that was really cool that when we are still, that, that we are reminded of who He is and that we can trust Him and His great character. So, I just ask you, how are you doing at slowing down or withdrawing or being still? It's hard it's hard to do that. It's hard to set aside that time. Whether it, I, uh, It's hard when you have preschoolers, it's hard when you are working, it's hard even with older kids. Um, but, but just to, to make that a priority because when we are still and know that He's God, then we are going to exalt Him in all the earth and in the nations as well. Um, so the passage goes on to say that after they withdrew, they came, everyone whose hearts were stirred and everyone whose spirits moved and they brought their contribution to the Lord. Notice that it's widespread giving. Verse 21, it says everyone who was willing. In 22, men and women alike. And verse 27, the leaders. So everyone and all were, um, were able to give if they wanted to. It was completely voluntary. It was purely heartfelt giving. And so, I would just challenge you today to consider that same thing. Are you still before the Lord, and how does He stir your heart when you are? Um, the next part, we move on to just how they were able to use their giftedness. And um, my, just the truth that I thought of from here is how we invest our time and talents reflect our heart. So, how we re, how we use our treasures reflects our heart, and how we use our time and talents reflects our heart as well. And so, we see from, verse, from chapter… Uh, 35.10, and it goes on a whole bunch of other verses, all who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. And so Moses asks all those who are skilled to come and make, kind of in a general sense, and then he also calls these two people, Bezalel and Oholiab, and he says that they, he calls them specifically that they are craftsmen, he calls them to do work in metal and stone and wood, and he's filled them with skills and all kinds of craftsmen, um, to do all kinds of work as a craftsman or designer. Um, and it's cool because I looked at it and I was like, if you look at the verses and you look at the three parts, like they're, they're called to do it, but look at all the Lord does beforehand. Again, that He's the one, He's the giver of these gifts. The Lord's part, verse 30, He's chosen Um, He has chosen them. He's called them by name. In 31, the Lord has filled them with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding and knowledge. The Lord did that. He filled them with that. The Lord inspired them to teach others. The Lord filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or a designer or an embroiderer. In verse 36, the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do it. And I just thought that's so cool. Now, there's two verses that say Yeah, there's 32, they're going to make artistic designs. And 33, they're going to cut stones and work in wood and engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. But he's the giver of the gift. He's the one that gave them the giftedness. And so God's asking them to use the giftedness that he already gave them. Um, I love the verse from Ephesians 4, 16. For him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Each of us have been given gifts. Um, and and God has gifted you with abilities and talents and ways to serve His kingdom, just like He did them back then. Um, We saw that it's interesting to consider that God didn't pick the donors. I mean, he, or the, the don't, he, he did not pick the donors of items. So, the, so, he asked all who are willing, bring your stuff. But he's very specific in calling these people to serve with the giftedness that he's given them. Um, and, but they still had to obey. They still had a part in it. He had gifted them, and they had a choice whether or not they would use that gift to serve him and his kingdom. Um, He gave them special skill and wisdom. The wisdom that, you know, if you think about it, they had to be able to transfer the concepts of what was right in writing to uh, actual instructions of doing it. They had to be able to practice. I'm sure they had to do, be able to do problem solving. They had to assess the work of others and teach them. So, we had to bring in other people. They had to be able to manage other people. And these were gifts that God had given them, every single one of them. It was not in their own ability, but God had gifted them. And, um, they had to be supervisors. They had to um, those maybe who were not as good a craftsman. They had to monitor all of that. Um, so they were equipped. The people were equipped differently and purposely, but purposefully. But each one was needed, and each one had a unique part. And God calls us to the same. We see um, in uh, this, in, this, in verses about spiritual gifts from First Corinthians 12:7 um, to 21. It talks about. Um, spiritual gifts, but it talks about it's for the common good and that there's all different kinds so that the body can come together and get done what needs to get done because God has gifted us in different ways. In First Peter 4.10, it also talks about that, to use whatever gift you've received to serve others. They're not for ourselves, it's to serve others. And then again in Romans 12, 4-6, that we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. And again, from Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up and so that is the reason why we have been gifted, each one of us differently, because God wants to, us to use those gifts to serve Him. When we do our 4B form, we have an, an opportunity to um, think about the gifts and abilities and talents that He's given us and to, to consider ways we might be able to, to share them. Um, there, there used to be a thing called the shape form where there's spiritual gifts is the S, H is the heart like, do you have a heart for children or, or elderly people or special needs, um, abilities, you know, like computer skills or graphic design skills, or um, and then personality. Different personalities can serve um, the body in different ways. And then experiences. What, what, what in your past has prepared you to serve the kingdom in the future? So I think I love all the personality and um, the, the, the way God has designed us so uniquely and love being able to um, just... Uh, process that and consider the way that the Lord has gifted us. Because any ability, skill, training, um, experience is all from Him. And we need to just um, remember that. It's so cool the way this ends, because we see that uh, they stop and say, the people are bringing more than enough. And I just think that um, Lucina covered that a few weeks ago in the, in the giving of the building and how cool that was to see the Lord at total work, just people giving generously from the gifts they've been given from Him to come together for the kingdom. And that at one point, there was a time to say, we got it. The Lord has provided. We have more than enough. But I see it now, and I love that because um, as, as recently as my daughter's illness, how God provided everything that was necessary to heal her, to help her catch up, um, and uh, but also just recently um, in the Easter basket project that I've been involved with for years, um, you know, for 13 years, I used to be like, we got to make sure we have all the right stuff. We got to make sure and how many and and all the details of it. And now I see God just, he provides, he stirs the hearts of people to bring exactly what is needed and even more than enough. And so um, each year we're able to to have baskets to contribute to kids that are um, in lower income areas. And so it's just a, a natural response to God's goodness and his love and faithfulness is our outpouring of gifts. And it's cool to be able to see that in a corporate way. And so I would just ask you, do you have a generous and willing heart? And if not, what's holding you back? I think sometimes if I've been in a season where I'm not feeling quite as generous, it's because I'm worried about this not happening or that not happening or not having enough. And and that's a lack of trust. And so um, I just think that it it, it makes me need to go back and do that, be still and know that he is God and reflect on him and his character and his um, amazing willingness and provision for in my life. And then we want to wrap up with the best gift of all. And um, we see that, you know, we know it's Easter week and we just know that um, that God gave us the best gift of all. And that is um, just as He gave us the Sabbath, that he gave us the gifts to give to the um, for the people to give to the tabernacle. He gives giftedness ways that we can serve, but he also get, has given us the greatest gift, and that is that of his own son Jesus Christ. He gave very specific directions about how to build the tabernacle, and so that he the people might be able to have a relationship with him to dwell with him, and he has very specific. Um, details about how he wants us to come to him today. We know from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And I think that, um, and then we know uh, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God has given us the gift of his son. And so, I would ask you, um, do you know him? Because there's, it may seem, there's only one way but everyone's invited. And that includes you. Um, Jesus wants us to know Him, that He is the way and the truth and the light. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. And I think about, uh, I am like love Christmas and everything about it. So, um, there are gifts under the tree. And when my kids were little, they might shake them and know all about them. And they can tell you how many and how they're, how they're wrapped and what size box they're in. And they know all about the gift but until they receive the gift, it's not theirs. And that's the same with you. You need to receive, you can know all about Jesus, you can know all about the Bible, you can know all about other believers and um, be in fellowship with them, but have you received the gift of Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And um, I would just encourage you to talk to one of us leaders or talk to your leader, because that is the desire of our heart, that you may know him and know the gift that he has given us. And so I would just say, as we summarize, that it's Easter week, and so what a better time to consider who Jesus Christ is and what he did on the cross and how the tomb was empty because he conquered death. And we see today that um, God made a way to dwell with his people, and he does that today for us too. It's not the building of a tabernacle, but it's the accepting of Jesus as our Savior so that we can dwell with Him and He can dwell with us. There's one way to have a right relationship, but the invitation is for everyone. And God wants to have a relationship with you, each one of you. If you haven't received the gift of eternal life, I would invite you to do that today. And if you have, and ask Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then I would encourage you to grow in Him. Take the next step. Look for ways to deepen your walk. Be still. Um, know that He is God and then exalt Him in your giving, in your giftedness. Draw he- near to Him and listen. And then as a response to His great love, join Him in His work because He's at work. Let's pray. Father, thank You for these words. Lord, thank You for the, um, the gift of Your Word, which is true. We thank You that You have gifted each one of us with provision. Um, for just exactly the way you want us to serve, the way you want us to give. And it doesn't have to look like anybody else's. But Father, we thank you for that. I pray for rich discussion in our groups and for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.